Packets call the meeting to order. Uh, first item on the agenda is approval of the meeting minutes from June 9th and August 11th. If everybody recalls, June 9th was just the, the park tour, so there was an official agenda really for that meeting. We uh, move approval. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. So, very good. Public discussion of any items not on the agenda. Don't see anybody here, so we'll move right on to item four with uh, Julie's presentation on the CIP budget. Great. So what I'm gonna do today is you have packets in front of you. I'm going to show it up on the screen, but because the screen's a little small, you have everything in front of you that was also from the show. I'm gonna take you back through the Park Master Plan from 2017 and update where we're at, where we, what we've gotten accomplished, what's left very quickly, hopefully. And then we're gonna go through kind of more specifics on the playgrounds that we have yet to address um, and other park projects. It's not a formal telling you exactly what's going to be proposed in the CIP budget at this point, but I wanna give you a general overview and take any comments you may have in a couple different areas anywhere you want, actually, but a couple different areas, and then, um, like, when we get to the playground part, of talking about, you know, we'll show you why we prioritize this the way we did, and some of those things. So, the master plan was done after a long public process back in 2017, and it's been guiding our work for the last almost six years, and incredible, because we have a lot to show for the work that's been done, the investments made based on this plan. Um, just to remind you, we just have a, the diversity, we value diversity as a community asset. We're committed to creating inclusive park spaces that promote the dignity and respect of all users. I'm bringing this up because this, we're gonna revisit this with the REC master plan. And I think it's, it, it works for both divisions, but that's what we came up with at the end of the park master plan that process. The process that we went through at that time, first of all, we had consultants come in and we went and walked every single one of our parks with the consultant teams, looking for ADA access concerns, looking at playground conditions, shelter conditions. All of that is on the city website right now under the park master plan, and there is an inventory, but remember it's from 2017, so that every park and our condition rating for them. Now, we have probably 15 or 20 parks that have been redone since that time, so it's not completely accurate at this point, but it's a good place for us to start with prioritizing things. Uh, we also looked at equity, and we have learned so much about how to engage with the equity conversation in the last five or six years. The way we did it back in 2017 was we looked at the different areas in the community, and we made sure that each year as we were doing projects, we spread out so we spread them out throughout the community and were able to address issues in each of the different neighborhoods. And once again, I think we've done that pretty well. Our projects have been spread out throughout and um, based on neighborhood meetings each time, which give us a good feel for what the community and the neighbors want. I engaged the public, came up with guiding principles, which we'll go through quickly next. Reviewed our open space planning, however, that was picked up later in the natural areas plan, which is its own separate plan. So it's kind of confusing because we have so many master plans here. This one really only looked at active 
use outside parks. So parks with playgrounds, shelters, a little bit with athletic fields, but not, not as much as the master plan will. Then we have the natural areas plan, and it looked at any of our property that we have that is primarily passive use. So either for restoration, ecological value, or other purposes. Now we're doing the rec master plan, which looks at the indoor facilities, the swimming pools, and the athletic fields. So we have lots of different plans. This one that looked at future park projects. It looked specifically at access, so we looked for equity, access to the various areas within the park. So a lot of what we've done have been small um, paved connections between trails, playgrounds, shelters, benches. We've been picking up a little bit of those every single year, trying to make that better. Providing year-round support for active living, so we have increased the outdoor activities and, and things available outside. Restoring so places where people can go for quiet. And even within the playgrounds now, <coughs> started to add areas that are close by that provide a little timeout space for people that need it and want some just quiet time in the parks. Educating, we've been working on learn to swim, outdoor recreation skills, working on steam. So for instance, tonight down at the market, it's full steam ahead. All kinds of steam activities for kids happening along with the market. Um, sustained, so design choices, which we'll go through that it was a, a, a consistent branding. And then documenting, and that's part of the reason for these reports to the commission every couple of years, to document where we've come, how far we've come, and what's still left. Okay, I already can't get that, so I'm gonna go on. These were the design guidelines that we came up with in the park master plan. If you've been out to our newer parks recently, I hope they look very familiar to you. Uh, the, the shelters in the smaller pictures are what's at Creekside, Willow Creek, Weatherby, I'm forgetting several um, that we put in. And then the more modern one is what the design of riverfront crossings was based on. So we have implemented this. We are working on still getting all the park signs to match, but we have been chipping away at those, getting a few every year as well. Um, the nice part about Iowa City, this comes from the Trust for Public Land. They do a study that shows kind of a park score for communities. And we're one of the higher ones in the Midwest. 83% of our residents live within a 10 minute walk of a park. So as I show you on a map, the next page, the areas in light green, which I think is on here, the areas that are within that 10 minute walk, and then I added school playgrounds on this particular map. So you can see that in some cases, they may not be within 10 minutes walking distance of a public park, but they are from a playground and area at a school that's available. And some of our areas that don't have that 10 minute walk, it's kind of skewed because it is either like areas around the airport, so that, that's a large thing. Or in some of these areas, there are ample university open spaces and park-like amenities. So it doesn't show up in our plan as being within a 10-minute walk, but there actually are some. So I think we're sitting really good as far as mixture of where parks are. This is also interesting because they were able to break it down um, based on race and ethnicity. 
And although we're not perfect in, in all the categories, I like to see how consistent we are down the, um, down the list. So most are within that, that 80, 85% range. It's kind of skewed because some of them have very low, um, low numbers of people in them. That's a, good, that's a good chart to see this year. Okay, so this chart you've seen a couple times before if you've been on the commission for a while. This outlined what year the, uh, the plan called for different projects to be completed. And what I did was going through, we'll start by each one that has been. So we are making progress. When you look at 2020, the ones that aren't done there, City Park Upper Shelter, that's been pushed back to a few years later. Um, the West District Park was one that we actually did the planning process on, and the neighbors were not interested in having a park uh, over on like Kip Cardinal area. So that one we have is no longer one that we'll be pursuing. We will be looking at new parks as we showed you in the park tour, either by Stonebridge Estates or Palisades Division, which needs a different name for the park. <laughs> but, uh, so we have those. And then when you look at 2021, Chad Green um, is, will be under, we have our kickoff meeting for design this Friday. Glendale is under construction as we speak. Hickory Hill is pushed back one more year. The next year, Court Hill is set um, for the same kickoff meeting this Friday along with Whispering Meadows. And so then we get into the other ones, but we are really progressing according to plan. Not exactly year by year, but I think very uh, confidently as we go through these. Any questions so far? Uh, playground distribution, we looked at this two years ago. Your recommendations were that indeed it looked like we are pretty well covered between um, city playgrounds and school playgrounds and the University Hospital has playgrounds. Uh, since that time, we have added the port and place surface at City Park Playground. Uh, Weatherby has a little bit port in place. Willow Creek has port in place. I think that's all. Yeah, so we, we, we have updated that and our ratios are even better than they were two years ago. Along with making sure that we have access the actual play area as well. So as you know, Glendale Park, the big, big thing on that is a big paved trail. That's to provide access to the playground from the street. Okay, so we're gonna go district by district, kind of fly through this and get to the more interesting parts. Um, these are the districts the plan used to break up and, and show us how many parks and what kind of features we had in each area. So the South District, the projects that we have completed so far, Weatherby, Fair Meadows, and Napoleon Park improvements. Uh, we added a paved path to Weatherby, and we'll have the Whispering Meadows Playground and Shelter coming up next summer, along with wetlands restoration and some other work there. Um, this one shows the deficiency shown in the park master plan was uh, need for some additional parkland, meaning smaller pocket parks. That has not necessarily been, uh, we've been able to, we haven't necessarily been able to do that yet. With some of the developments happening with the updated South District plan, so down closer to McAllister, and there was probably some options there or addition to either like Sam Prairie, uh, Weatherby, 
and then adding the playground and shelter at Whispering Meadows helps with that deficiency. Uh, improved connections to the parks. The main thing that we're adding that adds to that is finally getting the trail built along Highway 6, Highway 1, between Hines and Broadway, well, all the way to Broadway eventually. And although that doesn't exactly go right to a park, it's important for access to a number of lower income communities in that area. Hmm. Um, Isn't there, so it's more than a sidewalk you're talking about, you're talking about the much wider. Yeah, it's a, we received some grant funding from the DOT, so it'll be a DOT spec transportation trail. Um, similar to the, what's put on, was put in closer down by uh, Walmart. I think it's 10 foot width. I think that whole stretch will eventually be 10 foot width. Uh, the South District, you know, it's, it's really been interesting to work with in the last few years because they have a very active neighborhood group that's been advocating for things and being very vocal when we ask questions, which is so helpful for us when we need, when we want to do projects. So um, that's where we're at. Any questions on South District? No, Fred, you want to get that door? for growth. The projects on the, on the southeast side finished Cardigan in 2019, Creekside, which is down um, in Pearson Park in 2020, Scott Park Playground and Shelter, Court Hill Basketball Court was resurfaced, and then the Playground and Shelter will be next year. Um, so I think we're, we're well set for playgrounds access and in general access to parks because we also have uh, Windsor Ridge, which is a, a more of a trail part of the open space. Um, the opportunities, the American Legion Road Tunnel, Trail Tunnel, and that is coming in this project that they're working on right now. So it will connect the new elementary school to the neighborhoods with a safe route under the road. Um, and Eastside Sports Complex, the ground is still there. We haven't moved forward on any of it, but that is one of the questions we're looking at with the rec master plan, having people prioritize where do new uh, baseball, softball, soccer, outdoor athletic fields come in priority when compared to uh, city swimming pools and aquatic centers. So more to come on that, and I think that will help prioritize or um, move that forward. The West Central District. This one was interesting because when we talked about this two years ago, it seemed very likely that there was going to be a very substantial development west of 218. We thought that even earlier this year. That's been put on hold at the moment. Um, they're going to do some different things. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. We really only have one major park in the western area. That's Hunter's Run Park. Um, the deficiency would say add parkland west of Warren Track. It's difficult to do due to a number of land use things in that area. Uh, we do have West High there. We have three different two, three different elementary schools that kind of serve that area over on the west side. Um, and so that's really the, where we're at on that. County is still working on their poor farm development plans, and that may have some impact for us for trails and that's a fairly large open parcel within that district. Any 
They are probably going to back off from their full development proposal and focus on the senior living facility. So I don't have a map to show you yet or anything, but it does appear that we will get a substantial addition to Hickory Hill Park in that area. So I think that helps with the, the parkland in that area. Do you know when they're taking that to all the different committees? Don't they have to have to go to the rezoning again and yes. all that? Okay. Um, I've, been, I've been advised that I can share with you as a commission once they have the staff information ready for that. And I don't know if that's next week yeah. or two weeks from now. But I will try to email it out to you all so you can see it. I think it starts the good neighbor meeting again. I believe it's oh, way okay, back. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Interesting. So, okay. It'll be the whole process. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in this one, the projects we've done are the Pleasant Hill Playground, Ronald's Miller Park, Happy Hollow Shelter and Restroom. Uh, we have other ones coming up. Happy Hollow will be the playground coming up in a few years. And then Terrell Mill Skate Park is scheduled for 2023. As you remember last month, I mentioned that we put in a grant application for that project. Today, we've, today yeah, we've received word that we have made it through the preliminary round, along with a list of about 20 things we need to add before next week to send it out in the next round, which we will bring together. So we are in the running. Um, we're getting a, a 600,000 federal grant to match our 600,000, which would make it a $1.2 million renovation expansion wow. of Terrell Mill if we get it. So it would still stay in that 2023 or 2024 timeline um, based on the federal um, calendar when the grant money would be available. But it's encouraging and we're moving forward with some of that work. And of those 20, how many will be? Very well loved playground. Um, 
but we have a lot of issues there. You can kind of see in the, the photos, the, the wood timbers are deteriorating really fast in all areas. Um, so that is a very big need. Um, accessibility, we've tried to make some improvements over the years. It was um, not designed in a time that uh, um, got us as good of accessibility to each of our features as we, um, as we try to get now. Um, so you can see there's a ramp on this one. Um, uh, it does, you know, whether it, it, there's an accessible route to that ramp, um, you know, is, is another question. There's a sand in some of the spots as well. Um, we don't tend to have sand in very many of our other parks. Um, maybe it can still be a feature, but there's, there's quite a bit of um, uh, issues. If you go to the next page, there's some more photos. So you can see there's erosion, um, there's broken pieces, um, just general deterioration of all the parts, the paint's uh, not in great shape. So um, I think the idea would probably be if the neighborhood wanted this, um, something natural type landscape again. Um, so it's, it's a well loved, like I said. Um, I know a lot of people who have told me over the years that they loved it when you know, their kids were little or if they were younger. Um, and uh, um, it's kind of a nice little Someone recently pointed out to me um, how quiet it is. Um, you can't hear the interstate, which you usually can from there, so it's, it's a nice park. Um, the next one, Happy Hollow. Um, we've got a major cracks starting to form. It's still safe at this point in the one slide. Um, so this moved this up on, on the list, maybe um, over the next one, um, mainly because of that slide. It's a similar slide we had um, to replace in another park. And by the time you replace that slide, you, you're pretty much at a high enough cost. It's, it's time to replace the rest of the equipment because there's some other deficiencies and, and uh, you know, things starting to fail as well. So, happy hollow. And then um, we've got uh, College Green. This is one of our oldest, if not our oldest, I believe, remaining playground. Um, Structurally, it's in okay shape, but aesthetically, it could use some help. Uh, all the paint's peeling. Um, you know, there's a few dents here and there in pieces. Um, so it just needs needs an update. Um, you know, kids of all ages enjoy it, so be a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen college kids swinging in the middle of winter, so it's it's well used year round. So. And then we have uh, Hunter's Run. So like we um, you know, talked about a little bit ago with Julie saying it's our only um, kind of west, or I guess part of this west district uh, park. Um, one of the play features, I think the next page, um, is newer part of the playground. The other one is older. The older one is starting to fade and everything. The newer one, however, has quite a bit of um, deterioration around the joints. Um, so we'd be looking to replace that and then, um, you know, moving this one up, it still has some ADA accessibility needs um, that we want to update there. Those may happen at the same time um, to make, make sense in, in planning that out. So. I think it's safe to say that these four are ones we're going to try to move forward or, or keep close in the next few CIP years. Some of the next ones that you're going to see were slated for coming years and we may shuffle those back a ways based on their yeah, we possibly do that here. It's kind of hard to tell. You know, in 2017, this one probably looked in pretty good shape, but it's deteriorating pretty fast. Uh, Reno's the next one. 
Um, accessibility here as well, getting a, a path all the way up to a playground. Um, uh, if we position the same spot or not is one thing. This one's starting to show some wear and tear. The climbing wall we've replaced parts on quite a few times. Um, it's currently safe, but has some uh, um, some spots that uh, are starting to uh, um, you know, the connections that are breaking and things like that. But we've checked it for safety, um, and it still passes that. Um, just really needs to be updated, though. Let's see, we've got. Uh, North Market Square. So this one's heavily used by the school um, right next door. Um, so every recess, you see kids kids out there playing. Um, so it's I'd say mostly because of its heavy use, um, it made it higher up on the list. But you can see some parts that are starting to wear and show some tear as well, um, just in general. And, and it doesn't really flow very well as far as its. Uh, footprint and maintenance around it um, you know, is more of a challenge. Okay, Brooklyn. Brooklyn Park, um, again, accessibility to this one, it's tucked into a hillside um, with a struggle to get a, um, a path to the current one that is the right slopes to me, um, full ADA um, for this one. So um, another reason why it, it Some of the slides are shown somewhere. This is the one that had the slide replaced a few years back that was similar to the one we showed you the crack in um, earlier. So um, very heavily used park as well, even though it's kind of just a walk-to park, but there is a um, daycare right across uh, the road, and they use it quite often. Let's see, that's where we have so Benton at number eight, this is about um, right at that point where, you know, eight, maybe nine um, uh, are, you know, the most at need right now. Um, so Benton is in okay shape, um, but it can really use, use some updates as well. Um, it's showing some age. The treehouse uh, type feature um, is showing the most age, just the wood, um, and, you know, being that material, it deteriorates a little faster. Do you want to talk about the bees? Yes. Yes. I, there is currently a very deteriorating uh, bare um, wooden statue sculpture um, with a little seating area around it at Bent Hill. Um, we had to uh, eradicate some um, uh, non-friendly bees. Put it. <laughs> um, they were lost. They were bees, but we reached out to ex actually the expert in the county on bees and. He said they uh, um, they weren't beneficial for honey making or anything like that. They were being very aggressive, um, so we eradicated those. We will, however, be removing the remainder of the wooden um, artwork there because of the the stage of decay. Oak Grove. So Oak Grove is a little bit older as well. It probably doesn't see quite as much uh, um, use. You know, it's, it's in okay shape, um, good shape I have on there. It's uh, um, it's probably one of our oldest ones that is in this quality uh, of shape. However, you know, it's it'll be, by the time we get to this one at number nine, it'll be a few years yet and we would expect to see some more parts deteriorating. You see on some of the pictures there, like the bottom left, you know, you're starting to get a lot of wear where the um, kids climb up and down things. Um, some of those 
climber, um, neck like, uh, um, I guess, ladder things, um, those tend to deteriorate quicker. Um, so it's starting to show signs of that as well. Okay, this one is Harlock Hill. And Harlock Hill, I, I mean, I've seen someone there a couple of times. I yes. guess it's. This is one when it gets time to replace it, we made the commission to look at it and say, do we keep a playground at this particular location? Um, the only report I've ever had of anyone using it is some of the um, older students living in those apartments swinging there. What? Um, Where is it at? This is by Hock Ridge Apartments. So not the access from Culver's, but the other side of Hock Ridge oh. is a road that dead ends. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tucked back in. There actually isn't any public parking around it. Um, so it's just a walk to park. We don't think it's being used hardly at all. So. It doesn't need to be replaced at the moment, but something you can No, there's some fading out of, uh, of items there, but it's in relatively good condition. Um, just you can tell a little age on it. Um, Alder, um, uh, it's one of our newest playgrounds that uh, um, hasn't been done, you know, in our, our most recent batch, um, but it is still fairly new. Um, it does have some need for accessible route down the actually quite steep hill, um, so that would be um, one of the things that, you know, may end up happening before this one is, is fully replaced. Um, it seems like uh, um, the features are all in pretty good condition. It's, as you can tell, kind of the, the grass and stuff creeping in. Um, it doesn't currently have an edging to it like we like in most of our parks. Um, so uh, we tend to put in a um, concrete edge of some sort, whether it's a full path or like a six foot band now. Um, so that might be something that could be added before the rest is updated. Um, but in Calder, we, we still plan um, this year to um, have the, the fire pit feature as well. So there will be some. It is It's just taking forever. So we have uh, we have that coming up. So there will be it's not a playground, but a new feature in our park. Um, we had a request from the neighborhood just over the weekend for was there a way to do electricity to the shelter? There was a puppet show there last week sometime. Um, yeah, on that. Yeah, wanting to know if there's a way to do that. Our best estimate is about $10,000 to put in electric because of the, the topography and the location. So the answer would be not right now. It's a good idea. Um, but maybe when we do the ADA trail project, it would be more beneficial to try to put those together and do that. Julie, that's not that. When this park was put in, there was supposed to be like a trail behind those houses. What what's the status? Yeah, on? we did mow one I think for a year or two, and I I don't know if that's we mowed a loop through the the grassy space. Yeah, back behind like there's mm -hmm. some houses. And, yeah, so it's just a natural trail. We've never okay. really pursued it further than that. Territory Blood, um, it's in relatively good shape. Um, not a ton of features um, at this one. Um, some of the features will continue to deteriorate because they're more natural features, but um, really in pretty good shape. Not a whole lot wrong with that one. Um, this one is one I don't believe shows up in the Parks Master Plan because we did not have uh, ownership of it yet. Um, this is MJ Harvick up in the Peninsula neighborhood. Um, you know, ADA improvements uh, to the, uh, um, the playground um, would be the thing. That wasn't ever outlined in any of the plans um, because it's, it's what we 
Features, Tina and Ed to be in pretty good shape. Uh, a little worn in some of the high use areas, but it's mostly just, you know, paint and you know, things like that. So um, it seems like it's pretty well used. Um, both of the next two are down at Kickers. Um, they are actually in really good shape. The first one you see here is, is a pretty old, um, actually, and it's, uh, So it shows up on the master plan as needing replacement, I think, next year. Um, we're not gonna do that, obviously. It's in, it's in really good condition, so. The only thing I noticed there was some of those, like, uh, rubber ladder features are discolored a little bit, like I mentioned on another one, but it's, it's still in real good shape. Um, the other one there is in even better shape. Um, the thought is maybe when it comes out of time to look at, you know, does it make sense to have the two in both spots? Um, kind of come to you all with um, suggestions at that point. It doesn't make sense to consolidate into a, a space. Um, I don't know the answer to that yet. That's all of those. Okay. So what we would ask is, um, if you'd be so inclined, if you'd like to uh, have some sort of motion or comments on that playground priority list based on those reports, and we would use that as our basis for shuffling them in or placing them in the future CIP program. I'll make a motion to accept the rest for that then. I'll second it. Scheduled in 23 and 24. 
Um, that is one of the questions of the rec master plan, so that may get shuffled based on priorities from that and uh, priorities with the school district as well. Event facility improvements was meant for TTRA and Interior Tribune Lodge and both <coughs> rental building there needing exterior uh, refinishing and some other work done on the exteriors of those. Off-road bike trail development down um, by Terrell Mill Park with a single track that goes up into some of the property we just got from the Elks Golf Club last mm -hmm. year. And then the Willow Creek Trail replacement. The main trail through Willow Creek has serious cracking and uh, structural issues, so it would be a replacement of that entire trail. So those are the things that are in the current plan. Here's things that we know about that are not in the current plan to consider it. After we go through this, let me know if you can think of any other things you've seen through the parks that we maybe missed. Um, we have a, a master plan for Lower City Park that includes uh, raising the road, making it more flood tolerant, um, draining, moving the ponds so we have a wetland area. It's got a pretty happy price tag. It was done in 2016 and it's kind of, we've been doing smaller parts of that plan all along. But that would be to go back and do something larger there. Eastside Sports is a sports complex with baseball, softball. You know, this, this group has talked some about a, a preference for having maybe an indoor um, field facility or something there too. That's on that list. Sand Lake at Terry Trueblood. We've known for some time that it could use some dredging. Um, yeah, kayakers would know. There's areas that are short feet or less it's silted in over the years. Um, a couple million dollars probably to do the whole thing. So we've been kind of looking, we've been looking at that and figuring out is there a way that we can propose to be part of it, maybe by the both rental area, uh, break it off into different parts to make it more be able to accomplish. But that's a large ticket project. Julie, is there some grant money and some kind of like refunding for like water management there or something? There's been some smaller grants, but nothing to the degree. Yeah, the size. Yeah. yeah. So, not yet. We are watching for that. Our Riverside Festival stage, just the Riverside Theater just finished their summer performance series, uh, series there. It's in need of some serious TLC. It's falling apart in some places. Um, we have not budgeted for that yet. Uh, we're going to look at it actually probably this week. And get a better idea of what needs to be done. Tyler, can you add anything to that? Yeah, 2020 was a little rough on it too, I think, with not much use. Um, it's, it started to deteriorate best than anyone noticed at the time. Um, just multiple issues. And it's a, it's a constantly changing space. They're putting up set features, taking them down, attaching them to things, unattaching them. So it, it really takes a lot of wear and tear um, just from that alone. Um. Trail bridges throughout the oh, city park, tennis court repairs. We have some ideas for making that a better playing surface and better experience at city park when we get ready to do that. It hasn't been um, on any list for quite a while. The trail bridges throughout the system, we have a number of small trail bridges um, that are deteriorating. We have inspected them all now so we know what condition there are and some of them might need to be replaced next year. They're in that type of condition. Um, you may have seen the press release that the bridge at Fort Hill Park is closed this week. That's actually not the bridge. <laughs> That's the uh, under the ground underneath and around it that is 
sledged off. So um, the public works is working on that. Uh, I overheard Power Dam Bridge, big project. Um, when it's time to redo that, the planking is, is getting a little suspect. We're working somewhat, uh, public works may be doing a project there soon here. Can't get out of that. Uh, Scott is, that, is that all Iowa City or something? Iowa City, the same thing. Corridor. The connections on the Corvill side are Corvills. The engineering and, and the responsibility for it, I believe, all fall in Iowa City. It was actually Corvill's Parks and Rec director when it was first put in as a trail. <laughs> so We do some yeah. removal across the whole bridge. So that tells me that they remember that means it's the bridge is all ours. And it's, if you look at it now, you might not see a lot of deterioration, but it's a very large cost. So that's one of the reasons why it shows up here, too, so it stays on our radar. You don't think they would offer to cooperate at all with that, with all that, that we'll put it in there? We will try. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scott Park, we've uh, done a lot of renovations there last year. We had a request for for uh, accessible parking near the dog park area. In order to do that, we have to have a paved parking lot or some paved stalls. So in the short term, we, have, we hope to do a small project to provide one or two handicap accessible spaces near the trail. Long term, though, we should look at that. It's, a, it's just a chip-sealed parking lot that gives a lot of use. So. Um, the next one I'm going to show you pictures of, I don't know if you are aware of this, but the city owns this lovely home. Um, this is up on the hillside above Dubuque Street, by the water, uh, north of the water treatment plant, just south of the parking lot for Waterworks Prairie Park. It is an older home um, that the Historic Preservation Commission has had some interest in. At one time, it was the home of someone who ran a ferry crossing down the river below. It is not on the National Registry of Historic Places and it hasn't met the criteria for that. There was a fairly large study and public input process done on this back in the early 2000s when Iowa City built the water treatment plant. Um, because of the federal funds involved, and this was one of the properties on site. Um, and at that time, they really didn't come to very many conclusions, some ideas, and uh, some pretty large price tags. Uh, it has been breached several times. Um, I don't have all the pictures of the graffiti and whatnot that's on the inside. It's, I, I didn't walk much past the entrance, to be honest with you. It is locked up now and secure. It's had a new roof put on it probably eight, nine years ago, maybe, even that. To make it weathertight and preserve it. I'm just not sure for what. Um, some of the ideas that we've gone through is could it be a trailhead for the trail? It's kind of way back up. It's not really a good access for trail. The parking would be down below where there already is parking for the rest of the trail system. It doesn't have connections right now to water and sewer. It's a septic system. This um, feels like more of a nuisance, like yeah. even a legal sense a nuisance than Anything that would be worth keeping up, and it obviously it sounds like it has no historical value. So why hasn't the city condemned it? Well, you don't have to condemn it. The city owns it. Why don't the city just tear it down? Um, because of uh, the questions from the Historic Preservation Commission, would probably be my best answer. There's a few people that 
Do we have an interest in it? Um, well, they're welcome to buy it from the city. So I think that that would be, this would be one thing that if you felt so inclined to, you know, make a <coughs> comment or, or motion on, it could be whether or not you have an interest in looking into preserving it and transforming it into a use, or whether you feel like it's better to maybe walk away from it. Could the city sell it? Could they parcel it off from No, we cannot. So we can't do that because it's part of the water treatment plant facility. Um, doesn't seem to be meeting any of the sort of the mission that we've discussed at the beginning of this whole process. So it seems um, like maybe. What is the historic preservation committee talking about with this? Um, they have come up with the ideas of could it be restored and maybe become some other, like either nonprofit use or. Could it be a concession area for the trail system? Yeah. Once again, I'm not, it's kind of tucked back there, and I don't know that it would not. Yeah, it's not that sounds, location. That sounds very unreasonable, <laughs> considering yeah. where it is. We've, we've offered that maybe if the idea is to preserve the story and the history of the site, maybe there's a way to deconstruct it and keep, say, a wall or keep parts of it that could be incorporated into a shelter or something either at the site or down by the parking lot area so that it has an open air and it has that um, story that goes along with the house could be preserved. Um, I think that, that would be my, my best recommendation at this point if we really want to keep the story and keep the um, historical interpretation of the area. <coughs> Did we, did the Parks Commission budget pay for the new route? I don't know, because it's probably, but it's been a long time, so I don't know that. That's probably $25,000. Yeah. It's metal, isn't it? No, it's metal. So the historical significance is that it once belonged to someone who had a ferry? Right. Which was, a, it, it was an important part of the history of the Iowa River. But in prior studies, there was no determination that it had enough historical significance to do something with. Right. And so, and so right now, the potential holdup is that you say some people in the Iowa City Historic Commission have some questions. Have how, some how long have those questions or interests been pending? Um, 20 years. Okay. So <laughs> I would say it's not interest enough. <laughs> I mean, it just it strikes me that this is sort of a problematic building that has no articulable purpose other than like very sort of pie in the sky peripheral ones, like a concession stand next to the water treatment plant. Seems like a little. I mean, I don't need to be flippant, but I mean, a concession. Do we, do we, we don't really. We don't really have concession stands yeah, all around yeah. our bike paths. Not in our walking paths. Even our more, even our more trafficked ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, like, the cost of converting this with no water. He says no water, no electricity. Yeah. And the cost to maintain it, just to check on it, safety, and. I mean, and I'd rather get the power for the puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate to just dispose of it 
because it, it's kind of a nuisance, but that history of the river, the river is such a big part of the city and the history of the river, so many people don't have exposure to it. This is just one more way that it, it tells our story, and I do like the idea that you have, maybe just leave the foundation there with some signage or something that, that shows. It would make more sense to have that interpretive thing down in the parking lot where people actually can get to it, whereas uh, I must have ridden by that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. But how many people don't know that it's there even who yeah. might go and trek up there if we had a sign down or closer to the trail, they could go look at the remnants of it, if not. Yeah. Could we ask the historic commission to like reevaluate it from their side and give us there are suggestions that we could at least evaluate like people who have a lot of interest in that historic idea. And then we can at least see if any of them like make economic or practicalism. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of re-engaging that committee, kind of giving them the last chance to have a say, and then we can then move forward with a decision and move forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. <laughs> I mean, we could just decide, but we may be, uh, I don't know, friends on it. I, I think we've got enough comments in there now that we can Are there any other larger projects that we haven't? I know we've got through this fairly quickly. Um, we do have another list of recreation facility things that are under the master plan, but any other park-related items that you've all seen or thought about and wondered? Where the, this might be something you need to kind of think on overnight and let me know. Um, we do our best to get through all the system and see what's out there and see what needs attention, but if you've seen or heard or have an idea of something else that needs attention, I think it would be helpful to give it on our list. Do so you find as a park staff that certain um, structures hold up better? Do we, have, do we have a list of like maybe what companies really have a longevity and are better made, it kind of, we're moving towards a preference in certain vendors. Yeah, that's exactly what we've been doing with the implementation of the Park Master Plan, and also working towards them being the same, so yeah. that we haven't quite achieved that yet, but for maintenance, so we have the same toilet in each park, and <laughs> hookups, it just makes it easier. Yeah. Than, or for the playground, though, yeah. particularly. Playgrounds, we uh, we will probably continue to go from the four major, at least the four major manufacturers. Um, they've all worked out well for us, so I don't know that there's any one in particular that stands out. Occasionally, we get a we get a problematic product, but it's it's kind of one off. It sounds like this. Uh, and then the, the rack facility projects, that there are several in the CIP budget. These are all, though, related to the recreation master plan. So as that finishes, that will help prioritize and sleep these things um, into the process. Just a beautiful picture for you to think about. Do you have any other, I know that's a whole lot of information. Any other questions about? How do you determine the usage of a park? I know you mentioned that one of them doesn't see that much usage, and obviously the, the wear and tear you can see, but yeah. is there a way to like, count the number of people? We don't have an official count. Occasionally we'll do a trail count for trail use, because then you can do a motion. 
how we tend to go on things like amount of garbage in the garbage cans and otherwise, um, amount of traffic patterns around playgrounds or shelters, you can see where the grass and the different areas have been used. And then um, really just a compilation of staff reports who've been there in that park and were there we're at most parks every few days. Yeah, so they'll notice things and you can kind of tell when humans have been there. But it's not an exact science by any means. Does the playground break down more quicker if it's used more? Is that why, like, the kicker's part is? Yeah, it, I at least it has. That's my guess of why that one is uh, still in a lot better shape, yes. Um, but that can be a factor. Um, and to do this point, like, a hard count is very hard to get without, like, a large study. Um, something my background through grad school, that's kind of what I did in places. And it took a large team of people, cameras, counters, all of the above, and then sitting there actually taking actual counts at certain hours and stuff. So it's, to get a really scientific count is difficult. Um, but yeah, those other things. Sometimes, you know, our staff knows which playgrounds they have to get to right away in the morning so they can mow them. Otherwise, they won't mow them the rest of the day. And others, they can go at any time of the day and, and they won't see me. Right. So we're on to item five now, the uh, 2022 Prairie Plantings. Tyler? Yes. Yeah, I wanted to bring this to you um, for your recommendation or comments, recommendations, questions tonight. Uh, if you remember last time, we, last year when we did this, we got a lot of public input after the fact, so we have announced this ahead of time, hoping to get some input um, ahead. But as you'll see, these are a little bit different sites. So. And the, this info is live right now on our website, and it will be a press release and social um, media um, releases will go out. So people have a little bit of time to comment back if they have any um, uh, you know, concerns one way or the other. Um, so you can see they're spread out. Um, Peninsula Park, um, which is uh, basically Thornberry Dog Park area. Um, uh, Terry Trueblood Recreation Area and Kicker Soccer Park. So Terry Trueblood Recreation Area, currently supposed to be prairie in this location. Um, there are some prairie species. It is not a healthy functioning prairie ecosystem by any means. A lot of smooth brown, which is nearly impossible to get rid of. Well, it is impossible to get rid of without starting over on those bases. So the south end, we've already, um, which would be south and west of this, we've already started that process with this last round. Um, so you'll see that starting to improve. And this is the kind of the next really main piece. Tons of traffic by that on Gilbert slash Sandra every single day and really near the entry. There are some spots near the shelter, um, which is uh, just kind of towards the yeah, right there. That are in decent shape that we hope to, um, you know, improve and, and keep and build upon. But this area specifically, we've tried multiple times burning it, overseeding it with uh, more seed, and we just have not <laughs> have not been successful with that. So that's one spot. So essentially, all these spots think of it as changing what's currently a grass and some wildflowers to an actual functioning prairie ecosystem of prairie grasses and wildflowers. So the difference is is not a lot unless you kind of know what you're looking for and then ecosystem-wise will be a big improvement. Um, same with that kicker soccer. Um, 
part. Uh, the area you see there, there's some, you know, looks like some weird shapes. That's because the cross country course runs through this. Um, and this was a management decision probably 10 years ago by the our then senior maintenance worker and uh, uh, athletic fields to no longer mow all this space that wasn't being used. So it, it reverted to just kind of brown grass again. Um, some natives that popped up here and there, but very, very sporadic. So we'd like to improve this um, for the ecosystem benefits for a more interesting cross country run um, through there um, and uh, just to uh, you know get some more benefit out of that space as well. Um, and then the Peninsula um, Park. Uh, so the large piece down here is uh, this is hole one of the disc golf, um, and then the space that goes back from there, um, going down the hill from Peninsula Development here to the right. Um, there are a substantial um, number of not uh, non desirable, some invasive, um, just scrubby trees that have started to grow up in there that we would uh, um, go in and mechanically remove beforehand. Um, and this spot was always intended to be non-tree um, because of the water um, infrastructure in the area. Um, so they've expressed that they would like open sight lines to their well house there, um, which you'd be able to get with the prairie there. Um, and then signal-wise, they, they tend to, the trees tend to mess with some of their signals going between um, areas is, is how I interpreted what I've heard from, from water as well. So um, it'd be, uh, you know, helping uh, with a couple of things there. Um, it'll also, you know, better filter and get that rainwater falling on that in that space as well. So getting at a few things here, all these areas, like I said, currently none of them are, are mowed turf. Um, they're all in some state of, of no mow. Um, and nothing, this is the one that's closest to a neighborhood, but it's downhill from it. Yep. So, whereas last year's they were closer in a lot of the neighborhood parks. Anyone have any questions on these spots for me? It would be nice to have a motion saying you approve these or recommend them. Ready? Is there a motion? Second. <laughs> All in favor? The motion. The motion is to approve the prairie planning uh, as recommended by Parks Department. All in favor? Aye. 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 Seconded, yeah. A second, Chris second. Okay, you there, Alex? Alex yeah. Alex and Chris. So, whichever one are you on? Yeah, whichever you type first. Got it. <laughs> quick. All right, item number six uh, the reports. Julie? I, I don't have anything else. Okay. I do. <laughs> Hello, everybody. You've just been quiet over there, but now it's my time. So I just wanted to give you a few quick updates on what's happening with uh, recreation division side of things and then um, give you an update on what's happening with the master plan study that we're in the midst of right now. So um, fall programming is underway here. We really kind of kicked that off next week. So if you haven't had a chance yet, please feel free to go to our, our web page and uh, check out the activity guide that we have going on there. Um, have a lot of different things going on this fall and some different special events in there too. Uh, 
We're also kicking off our Root for Trees program again, um, which this is going to be the second year that we did that. We had a great, great turnout last year for that. So the program will run um, September 15th through May 15th of next year. And if you recall, it's a, uh, an application that you go to online. So it's icgov.org backslash root for trees. Uh, root for trees is the program. And you can fill out an application if you're an Iowa City resident. And if you're approved, which most people are if you're an Iowa City resident, that you own the property or you have permission from your landlord to plant a tree on that property, you can receive a voucher for 50% off the purchase price. And if you're income eligible, you can receive a tree for 90% off. And um, $250 is the maximum value. So if you receive 50% off, it's up to $125 off a tree. If you receive an income eligible voucher, it's uh, $225 off a $250 tree. So pretty good deal there. Um, so we're, we're partnering with, once again, Earl May and Iowa City Landscape. And they're, they're both going to go about doing this program again. Got a lot of people through their doors last year. And uh, one of the things that we were all kind of talking about before we really kind of launched this underway, um, kind of looking at tree varieties. There was a lot of maples that were uh, planted last year. It was actually 21% of the trees that we had redeemed. So we actually are limiting that and pear trees this year. So uh, I know Chuck over at uh, Iowa City Landscape was in favor of that. So, um, so he was actually pretty excited that we were making that limitation this year. So uh, applications go live on Friday. So if you guys want to apply, feel free to do so and share it with your friends. Yeah, the press release came out today. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then um, the one other update that I want to provide you with about recreation is now that we're finally back up and running with our pools, we're going to be closing down one of our pools <laughs> at the end of this month. Uh, we're going to be doing a much needed dehumidification project over at Mercer. Um, so if any of you have ever been in there and thought it was pretty hot and sticky in there, <laughs> yeah, it, it needs some work. So we're going to be shutting that down um, September 28th. It's kind of our target date. And then looking to open that back up around mid-November. So we've been working with, um, because City High uses that pool for swimming. For swimming. Yeah. We've been working with the Coralville Parks and Recreation Department to post practices. Uh, some of the practices, some of the practices will be here post practices and some of the meets over, over at their pool. So um, good partnership there. And then as far as the uh, recreation master plan, just want to provide a brief update on what's happening with that. So there's a lot of different things that are working behind the scenes. Uh, we officially kicked off the project on, I think it was August 11th, last time that we met. So Barry Dunn came out and they met with you. They met with our steering committee, they met with our recreation division staff, and then they talked a lot with Julie and myself also kind of on the planning portion of that. So in the, in the meantime, since then, um, Julie and I have been meeting with them pretty much about every week, kind of talking about planning, what we want to ask for questions, how we want to do the social engagement. Um, there's four different consultants that are working on this project too that kind of have different areas of expertise. So Barry Dunn made their site visit on that date. They took a, a look the very next day at all of our facilities, took a walk around with our staff. And then they also toured some of the, uh, some of the athletic facilities, some of the other things that would be involved with this project as well. 
And then we've also had Hitchcock Design Group, who's involved with the athletic field part of this study. They came out and did their site visit uh, first part of August. And then we've also had the WT Group, which um, they're involved with the ADA um, transition plan updates. So they came out and took a look at that. They're also having another person on their aquatic lead team coming out um, later this week to meet with our aquatic staff and take a look at all of our aquatic facilities. And then we'll also have the Williams group coming out at a, at a different time to look at our recreation centers. And they have some parts with our swimming pool too. So that's on the facility side. So as Julie mentioned, a lot of that goes towards um, kind of how we prioritize use and improvements in the future. Um, another huge component of this master plan study is the community engagement portion. So, um, so there's several different parts that are happening there. We have our steering committee, which on our steering committee we have um, representatives from our city, from our parks commission, and then five different um, well-connected organizations throughout the community that are going to be able to kind of get us involved with the vision, but then also the connections to be able to really put the community engagement portion out there. Um, we've also created a list of focus groups that we'll be utilizing that cover the wide gamut of a lot of different organizations throughout the community, whether it's businesses, um, disability advocate groups, um, cultural affiliates, um, service, social service groups. So there's probably seven different focus groups that we're looking at having Mary Dunn lead that kind of serves a dual purpose. Not only do we get the perspectives of the people that are representing those organizations, but we're also able to leverage a lot of their connections to be able to get the community engagement out to the rest of the neighborhoods and residents. Um, in addition to that, we're working on a, a site called uh, Social Pinpoint. So that's going to have surveys and forums and idea walls so people can go onto the site and submit their ideas, their thoughts, their perspectives, their wants, their desires, all of that stuff for what they want to see for recreation in the future. Um, but that's just one side of things because we know not everybody has access to the internet. Um, so we want to make sure that we can connect with people in a lot of different ways. So with the different events that we're going to be having this fall, um, we're doing uh, eight different rec and rolls. Uh, those are going to be on Sunday afternoons at different parks from 3 to 5 p.m. And we've also got a dog swim actually coming up this Sunday. That's the last day of the city park pool. Um, we've got a, a national Hispanic American month events that's happening here. We've got farmers market events, um, Halloween, and we've got some other opportunities that we're going to be out in the community engaging with people. So one of the meetings that I had last week with Barry Dunn was looking at with these booths, what are we going to do to uh, provide engagement opportunities? So we've got five or six different ideas that are going to encourage people to come in. They're not just talking to people. They're actually interactive features that will kind of cover the gamut of all the different things that we're wanting to find out from residents and what they're wanting for recreation. So with that whole slate of different things, we're hoping to be able to really get a lot of feedback from the community and see what they want. 
Any questions on any of that? For the Roots for Trees program, do we have any sister program that would be for like small businesses or small land big. owner or land lords or anyone who's not a private resident to participate in something so, like that? So businesses can participate in that. Oh, they can? Yeah, we actually had a bank uh, participate in that last year. Oh, Just okay. one bank. Okay. But, yeah, I read through it and it was like it definitely said like very heavily like residential. Yeah, and maybe that's something that we could provide some additional clarification. Yeah, because I yeah, maybe it's like. But if the businesses have their own property and they're in Iowa City, okay. we, yeah, awesome. we don't have an issue with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as landlords, we worked with last year with um, some of the different neighborhood groups to try to get information out to the, to the landlords yeah. um, that have multiple properties. But what we're kind of finding that out on feedback from that was it's almost viewed as an obstacle that they have to mow around and that they try, which is unfortunate. But um, there's a there's a lot of property owners that when they have multiple places that they're having to take care of, they don't they want don't want to have, to have to mow around another tree. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you. I'll keep mine really brief since we covered a lot of the projects and progress and everything already. Um, most of it will be tree related, but before I jump into trees, uh, a regrant, uh, we submitted that uh, last week, um, so we'll wait to hear back on that. Um, we had to wait, it was a little delayed about a week or so this year because we were waiting on census numbers. Um, the unfortunate thing with brief with our census numbers is we were um, less than uh, less than 200 people off of being able to apply for the next level oh, of funding. Um, so our cap will for the next 10 years, I would imagine, oh. unless they change the rules, or as, but as long as roots around still then, um, will be 200,000, which is still a lot of money. It's a good size project for us. So um, the amount we applied for for uh, um, Rex and Woods for restoration work was 200,000. Um, we'd be combining that with um, a small, almost $20,000 grant that uh, we got for participating in a climate action um, type pilot program. So we're going to combine some of those funds. So we at least have a little bit. If the full thing doesn't come, we'll do at least a small piece of that project. Um, other uh, news, good news for uh, grants, we received a $5,000 grant from the DNR um, for a Dracia recovery grant. So we will be planting uh, 42 trees um, with that money plus our 50% match um, at uh, um, uh, Weatherby Park on October 2nd. So you're all invited. Um, we're trying to get the neighborhood um, district involved. I know they've uh, put it out on Facebook as well. Um, we have involved uh, Master Gardeners, reached out to them. They hope to use it as a kickoff for their 40th year coming up next year, a way to kind of engage the community. Um, so we'll have some of those experts being able to pair them up with, you know, even if someone's never planted a tree before, there'll be um, plenty of chance to learn. We'll have a couple of the staff members there, and then hopefully someone from uh, uh, DNR, we hope to get our district forester um, out as well, or one of the other DNR staff to kind of help uh, show planting techniques and stuff like that too. So using it as not just planting in the park, but also um, planting to uh, 
um, you know, show how they can plant their trees that they decide to apply for the for, for trees um, vouchers. What time um, is that at? Yes, it's at 10, I believe. We will try to update as we get a little bit closer. That's that well, we won't have another meeting before that. We can do an email to you though. Yeah. We got a couple things we need to update you on midway this year. This yeah. time. I'm 99% sure it's 10 o'clock, but about the time I say that. Um, we do have uh, another grant, uh, as you will remember, Rotary um, uh, helped us plant trees at Fort uh, um, uh, Hill Park last uh, spring. And so they applied for a grant to the larger Rotary organization, and uh, um, they got $5,000 for this fall and another $5,000 for spring. Um, so we're planting similar size trees, the smaller ones we had, um, still, you know, you know, most of them shoulder height, but, but smaller than, you know, some other ones you can see. Um, plant, plant 100 trees with them on Saturday, October 23rd, um, and uh, those will be spread between Kiwanis, Willow, and Villa Park, so that, that corridor of parks there. So, um, you know, with our Court Hill project, our um, uh, Weatherby project, and then these other three parks, we kind of hit all portions of the city. And we'll think about spring, maybe it's an east side, further east side park than Court Hill for, um, for the spring. We'll, we'll start to decide that. But lots of good tree stuff there. Um, uh, the two of you that are on tree advisory, we still plan to have a meeting Friday. I'll send out an agenda. I hope to get that out to you all tomorrow. Um, we had a good first meeting back uh, um, after a, a little pause um, like a few months ago. Um, so we have some new partners with the university, the school district, the county. Um, so we've, uh, we've got some good input there. Um, hope to give a few more um, numbers uh, from the, the root for trees looking at the, the data that uh, Brad and staff um, compiled from that. So um, we'll be doing that. Um, and I think those are the main things, and we're continually watering. We plant a lot of trees, so that's what most of the substantial number of staff hours go into that this year, even more than in the past. Any questions? Anything? Just go back a few years. I don't remember when we discussed it, but we did it when we were discussing the overall urban canopy um, assessment. With, Ongoing projects that were going on in Hickory Hill regarding sort of the removal of things, removal of invasives and stuff. Is that just sort of an ongoing when you have time, or is that getting funding or good question? Yes. So currently, there's still work happening as part of two reef grant cycles. Um, so four hundred thousand dollars total that we had you know, two years ago or three years ago, and then the year before that. Um, so the work you've been out there, there's still some work happening. Um, I have a contractor working on some of that. Um, staff does some as they can, but um, currently that's been the bulk of it. The Friends Group um, does some work, and they also have a planned project they have contracted out for some of the, um, uh, one of the areas off the Conklin Lane entrance or the north entrance um, has a lot of uh, shrubby uh, material they have planned to remove with the contractor. A little bit of everything, really. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Curious about attrition with all the new leaf trees that have been planted. It mm -hmm. seems like I know you're working so hard to keep yeah. them all watered, but I'm seeing so many that just look a little uh, yep. not so great. 
Yeah, so we have some that, uh, um, especially uh, one of the species we planted, um, or we had the contract to plant in the Mackinac Village neighborhood. Um, a substantial number of the uh, um, service berries um, did not make it um, through establishment. They will have to go back and replace those um, before that contract is up and they can get paid for, for that. So um, we'll be replacing those. Most of ours that we did with the volunteers this spring um, did really well. Um, we found that they did a good job planting. We've been able the smaller trees keep up on those. Um, so that's something where we're finding we're pushing our um, our acceptable standards for minimum like caliper or you know, the, the diameter around the trunk um, size down um, and keeping it strong enough so it can't just be snapped right off but, but lowering that a little bit so um, the trees have you know they're younger and they, they tend to establish a little bit quicker so we're trying a little bit of everything but yeah we will always lose some um, some locations just are difficult river front crossings, um, difficult locations for even grass. Um, so we see a lot of struggle for the trees and spots like that. Yeah, good question. Anyone else have any tree or park related things we're gonna cover? Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, chair's report, I don't have anything. Just wanted to um, commend your staff on the social media. It's, there's a lot of stuff coming out. I learned a lot from that, so. I know that was sort of a focus, and I think it's uh, noticed it, so kudos. Uh, we'll go around for uh, if anybody has anything, Brianna? No. Chris? April? Alex? Alex? I've just enjoyed the sculpture, so I've been coming to the park, so as well as I've been neat to see some of the different artwork as well. Besides that. Thanks. Ben? Mm -hmm. Angie? Melissa. The trail closure by Napoleon Park due to washout is that that's still mm -hmm. closed? It's yes, still closed. closed. Um, it was a failure of a stormwater um, yeah. structure underneath the trail, so it's been a pretty complicated um, fix. I think it might be as long as the end of October, unless Tyler has another update. Yeah, uh, within the week, it was the parts were at least five weeks out, plus then the contractor has to do the work. So um, it's two culvert sections right by each other that both failed. Um, so manufacturing's been delayed with COVID type, you know, supply chain delays. So um, we, we feel questions every day about it, because I know it's a well-loved trail. Um, and if people ask you about it, we can't just provide access around it because there's no safe way around it. Um, if you see it, it looks like the trail's still intact, but there's really a whole half the size of this room right underneath the trail. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. Motion to adjourn. Second. I think Alex 